0: Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content across the industry. I'm your host, James Daly, and in this episode, we're chatting with Matthew Ryan, a prolific game designer and publisher. His company, Envy Born Games, has recently launched a tiny game series on Kickstarter. Matthew, welcome to the binge. How are you doing, sir? Hey,
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it is great having you on the binge. Uh, We first met at um, Origins, and uh, I got to see your game, Sirens. My God, this was one of the coolest things I think I had ever seen. It was one of my highlights. I did the whole preview area of uh, of Origins. I got to see all the new things that were coming. This one caught my eye right away. And then when you pulled out the the app and started playing the music, I'm like, dude, this is crazy. So we're going to get into that in a second. Uh, but before we all get right. there, I want to start off by asking you, uh, kind of, where did this all begin? I know you've done a lot of, like, game design and licensing and, and some publishing and so forth, but, you can you take us back to kind of how you got into this in the first place?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I, uh, I lived in Vegas for 13 years, and I was a bartender. And one day, I just had the idea, like, I want to make something for myself or something. I want to create something. And I always liked games, video games, board games. And I thought like, well, I have no idea how to make a video game. I was like, I think I might be able to figure out how to make a board game. So I started to go online and read, you know, different Facebook group posts and different forums and kind of learn like that. Um, And I figured, well, let me combine drinking because I was a bartender and board games into one game. And. The at first it was supposed to be like, Oh, it'll also be educational. So, a lot of like the trivia questions in the game are like alcohol related questions that Mm -hmm. you know are kind of like, Oh, I didn't know that about alcohol, but uh, yeah. So, then I made a drinking game called Don't Get Drunk, and uh, that did well. On I did, you know, for my first campaign on Kickstarter, I was really happy with it and uh, conventions and stuff like that. And then basically went into a and by conventions, I mean, like, Beer Fest, because that's sure. what it does really well. <laughs> uh, from there, I went to, like, a local game store and was like, hey, would you carry my product? And then they actually asked me to help them with some publishing stuff. So then I got more into it. I had a pretty bad falling out with that previous company. Don't don't talk to them anymore. But uh, now I'm doing it. Since I started my company for Don't Get Drunk, I was like, well, let me just focus on my company now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's kind of how I got into it. Um, Making board games.
0: <laughs> I had to do a double take on the logo because I thought originally it said envy board games, but it's actually born games.
1: Yeah. That's and that's cool. just a play on our uh again. I was in Las Vegas. It's a play on like the state motto.
0: Yeah. And I know you've kind of transitioned and um kind of into to non-drinking kind of games, right? And we're gonna get into those in a second. Yeah. For people out there, because I I mean, I get approached all the time with people that say, Hey, I've got this great drinking game, and it's it's a it's a fun kind of party game. What is your advice to people out there? my my understanding is those games, although it can do well, don't have as broad of appeal as say, some of the other games in the at least in the hobby industry. what What's your thoughts on that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so they definitely don't do well in the hobby sector. in fact, when I was like, making mine and asking questions. It felt almost like taboo when I would be in these groups asking questions, people were like, ew, get away from me!" <laughs> like party game. No. Yeah. Um, But mine is even more with like the drinking element to it. But you got to know where you're at with it. Hobby industry is not going to do well. I still I, mean, I think I'm on my fifth print run of Don't Get Drunk now wow. and it just sells on Amazon. Or yeah. like I said, I go to beer fest events and I get a booth and I get little tastes of beer all day and I sell my game, you know, and it's a fun thing to do. But on Amazon, it does really well and other like, you know, different social media channels. It it, it went viral on like TikTok and stuff yeah. like that because um, it has more of a casual audience, you know? Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Was, yeah. So,
0: and I, it, well, often when I talk to people, I always say, kind of know your audience, right? And yeah. this is a theme I've been playing over the past few episodes here on the podcast and talking to different guests. Um, But my analogy would be, we, we have a card game that is, uh, it's a hunting game. Right. So you're, you're basically trying to like form sets and set collection. And it's, it's basically themed around kind of hunting kind of a 10 point uh, buck. Right. And in, in theory, that should do really well. There's a ton of hunters across the States here, up here in Canada, Northern Ontario, Northern Quebec, massive hunting community. Taking that to the hobby game conventions. Like I've had conventions where we sell zero, (laughs) like literally zero, Yet it does well on Amazon and does well, you know, in certain pockets when we're selling it specifically in like the hunting areas, right? So it's kind of making just sure the game you have. Not all games are going to do well in the hobby industry, but it doesn't necessarily mean that um, that they're not going to do well somewhere else. It's making sure you're just tailoring your audience to the actual game that you made, right? One
1: hundred percent. I I've taken don't get drunk to like I took some of the origins and no one cared, obviously. <laughs> But again, it sells well at beer fest events yeah. or online. So party games and stuff like that, there's still a market for it. You just need to be in the right area. And it depends how much of a, mar- a party game it is. It will, you know it could still do good in the hobby sector too. I mean, we definitely have some successful party games. It's yeah. just, there's a fine line there. There's definitely a fine line there, but there's always life on Amazon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. So as you kind of position to these other uh, types of games, what got you thinking about doing kind of like this tiny box series and getting into these definitely not drinking games like these couldn't be further from that, right? So what kind of led you in that particular direction?
1: Yeah, so I just, I started getting more into industry and was like, I don't think my liver can handle making another drinking game. (laughs) So no, I was just like, I wanted to start to transition and focus this way uh, with more the hobby style just because i got more involved with it but the, the idea behind the tiny game series because i do have two rather larger board games in the works but yeah as you know these take years to develop and get ready the idea behind the tiny game series was to kind of get some brand awareness build um you know a rapport with the board game community showing i can make quality products quality games in a small box format And uh, this way, when I present something larger, they already trust my company or like, oh, he's fulfilled three campaigns now. Uh, um, So that was kind of the thought. Mm. And because I can do those a little bit faster, I can stay active in the board game community as well, like in all the forums and stuff where I'm sharing a bunch of different stuff, except for instead of just like, you know, it takes me three years, I'm just talking about this one thing for three years kind of thing, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, obviously, but it's just like, my strategy behind it was like, I want to stay active and build brand awareness and rapport with the industry basically.
0: Yeah. Certainly if you, if the position is as a publisher versus just kind of a straight up designer, right. That's a very different path uh, to to take in the industry and and staying active is, is, is a smart move. Certainly even as uh, you'll have stock, right? So once this campaign is done, you're going to produce your stock, you'll have, I'm sure many extra copies uh, just based on minimum runs, but then those act as great add-ons when you do these larger games, right? You can say, "Oh, yep. for another, you know, fifteen dollars, you can add this game and this game and this game on." So, uh, I think that's pretty cool. This idea for sirens, where did that go? I'm going to start yeah. with sirens, just because that's the one that's kind of right. jazzed, right? So, <laughs> where the idea for sirens come?
1: Um, so sirens, my friend is the designer of it. I I mostly publish now, but I help I develop like everything. I have my hands in everything, but I would never. I don't really design much more so my friend did it art casey um i actually worked on mine your business with him which was the game before this that we launched um and he showed me the game and he had this music element to it as well and i don't know who mentioned the idea of it but it was like what if we could play the music and he's like well i have a friend who's a composer and can make music and uh, I always liked Greek mythology as well. So I just, when he showed me the original like prototypes, I'm like, I think there's something here special that we can like work on and get to a point where it'll be really cool. So it's kind of how it started. And now I'm I'm really happy where uh, the app is working very well now compared to when I had it at Origins.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so maybe describe for people kind of how this game works and then how how this app kind of interacts with the uh, the game, if you don't mind
1: yeah sure so sirens is a one to two player greek mythology themed game it has a musical element to it where every card has some sheet music on it and what's happening is you're taking on the role of a, a siren and you're trying to lure sailors to your side of the cove and the way that you do that is through card drafting there's going to be two rounds of card drafting and then you're going to build out your cards in a tableau in front of you there's different reasons how they score um There's four main things basically on a card that scores, but the thing that keeps the game fresh is before every game you pull out a card. It's called the universal rule card, and there's 11 different ones, so it changes up why you're drafting the cards each time you have a game. Um, But then when you're done, you can take your cards and take a picture of it, and the app that I have developed will play back the song that you actually created with your cards. So... (laughs)
0: that's super cool and then the it doesn't matter the order right like it'll just change the song up right
1: yes I mean some songs sound better than others that's for (laughs) sure um you know it's not we're not Beethoven over here making magic but uh it's really cool I call it the chef's kiss or the cherry on top for sirens I mean it's the game itself is very good for what we've did for such a small box and then this is completely optional but we thought it was like a really unique and fun thing for people to enjoy
0: well, I thought it was also pretty cool about the way you guys did that app was um, when you scan the, the music, right? And uh, yeah. if, if your phone doesn't scan it properly, because this is going through my head, well, what if it doesn't scan and then, then it yeah. won't be able to play? But you got this kind of clever thing you guys did to say, okay, well, if for some reason it can't pick up the card, you can then go through the menu and pick out your specific card and what? insert it into, the, like into the, the sequence, right? So you can hear yes. your song and uh, maybe do a little victory dance with your song at the end or something, right?
1: Yeah, there's, I mean, sometimes there's a glare or cameras are different. Yeah. The app's not perfect. It's still becoming better each day, but may- sometimes it adds a card, so you can just delete it. There's a little button to delete cards. And like you were saying, there's a little button where we can add cards, and then you can yep. just drag it to where you need it in your song.
0: How did you create this app? Did you hire like a company or you guys program it yourselves? or?
1: I hired a company. <laughs> I do not know how to develop an app. It actually was like, I thought it would be a lot more straightforward and a quicker process, but I've been developing, working with that team that's been developing this app for, I don't know, at least six months at this point. I was like, "It's this is what I want, make it happen. And then it's just like, well, we do this, 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 this. It's been quite the process.
0: Originally, I was thinking this thing was actually reading the notes, but it's probably more likely that you've got a certain segment of music assigned to each card And it's just basically saying, okay, we wanted it
1: to read each note. Um, There's apps out there that can do it. I actually reached out to them about licensing. They wanted an obscene amount of money for the license. And we were trying to create that of an app where it would read the actual sheet music, um, but it was much, much more expensive and much, much more difficult for developers to actually get it going. So the one I'm working with was supposed to be that way, and it just was not functioning. So let's pivot. And now, basically, it recognizes every card, and every card has an audio associated with it.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, it's elegant, and if it uh, yeah. it gets you the same result, then uh, then why not, right? So, uh, the next you had in your small box series is a game called Defrag. So, oh, what yeah. is this game all about?
1: So, Defrag is a one to two player spatial awareness puzzle game. There's a level of like hand management, um, but. You're basically trying to, it has a, a Windows 95, like a real nostalgic theme. The box itself yeah. is a floppy disk. The designer, Brandon McCool, you know, it was his idea. And I was like, I love this. Let's, I love the idea. I think people will just buy the box just to have a floppy disk box, you know, regardless, even if they play the game. Yeah. Um, but in the game, there's four main file types basically spread out in a grid and you're trying to move or move them onto each other to stack the same file types. So you're trying to consolidate all these little bits of different files into stacks so you can score them. Um, so the base game is basically trying to beat your high score, but then the game itself has a scenario manual with 40 different objectives in it. And as you work your way through the objective manual, there's different uh, like setups or different challenges to overcome. Some are harder than others. And that's what I really liked about um, Defrag a lot. It, it reminded me of like, the crew a bit where you're working your way through different um you know missions so Mm -hmm. i really liked that element to this and um yeah that's
0: that's deep right and who's the designer of this one
1: uh brandon mccool
0: brandon mccool as well yeah yeah. and then your third game that you've added to this series uh is the 16 candies yes so it's definitely got a bit of a candy crush uh, vibe to it can you talk to us about 16 candies and, and kind of what that's about and how you play it?
1: Yeah. So 16 candies um, is a light set collection, family friendly game. And basically you're drafting cards to try and collect the same amount of a certain candy type. The cards are, they have, they're like double sided where you can rotate them in your hands. So you have a different candy type. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically we encourage people to play with real candy. So you have a health pool of 16 which we have little bits that you can use, or you play with real candy. And then as the game's being played and you lose hands, you have to eat your health pool. So the idea was to create a fun experience for like kids to play with parents or family settings, something fun like that. So when you're losing, you don't feel bad about it because you're getting to eat some sweet candies and stuff like that. Um, But it definitely hits on a different demographic. And I think they all kind of do. And that was kind of the idea behind it as well. When we decided on the three games to put into the
0: series, who does a graphic design? I, I really dig the graphic design on this game.
1: Um, I have, so I worked with different illustrators and graphic designers on all of them, um, mm-hmm. and some are a combination. So on 16 Candy specifically, I'm gonna, I can't pronounce her last name, so I'm not gonna even try, but her name's Katarzyna, and she lives in Poland. And uh, she actually did the illustration and graphic design for 16 Candies, which uh, and we worked really well together. We're actually working on some other stuff together. We're, oh, we're actually doing so. The the three game set has a box sleeve that holds yeah, off. Yeah, you showing on the screen
0: sleeve. here. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah,
1: and she's that's not finished. What's on the Kickstarter right now, but she's using all of the art and elements from different games, the three games, to create one collective image where they're all doing stuff together. So I'm working with her on that now as well.
0: Yeah, it's cool. And so that you get that sleeve if you get all three games is essentially the idea, right?
1: Yeah, the bundle offer. It's going to be a Kickstarter exclusive.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. So with this campaign, um, and, and first of all, congratulations, because I believe you're already funded on this too, right? I think.
1: Yep. Yep. We funded it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Day Same. one, which was
0: nice. Yeah, you double your funding goal. You're over 619 back or still 19 days to go. I mean, so oh, yeah. the sky's the limit to where this thing could land. Um, this whole idea of uh, creating uh, three games in one as a campaign. Um, selfishly, I'm interested because I'm working on something uh, down the road oh, with a bunch nice. of small box games we have as well. So Brilliant. talk to me a little bit about the decision process and kind of the trials and tribulations of kind of having three games in, in, in one campaign.
1: Yeah, so it's pretty difficult to, because they have such different themes to pull it all together was kind of difficult. And I think we did a really good job of that with the video, which I work with the Nero. Uh, I don't know if anyone, George knows a lot of people in the industry, but he's the owner of a Nero. He's a good friend of mine. But we came up with the idea of how can we tie up such three, such extremely different themes together. And with the video, we kind of had it where a floppy disk goes into a computer And then you click on the icon for sirens, and then we show you sirens on the table with like music thematic to, you know, Greek mythology. Um, So I think we did a good job of finding a way to combine them all together. And then for the Kickstarter page itself, each section kind of is thematic to its own as well. You know, sirens has, you know, follows its own color code and stuff like that. But I looked at a uh, previous, you know, I'm, I'm one of the, I'm a strong believer of like, we don't need to reinvent the wheel, yeah. you know, there's, if success has been had, look to that. So I looked at a lot of other projects and kind of was like, Ooh, that looks like it worked really well or didn't. And, uh, through research kind of made decisions through that on how we should structure the page, uh, and things like that. So that, that, you know. I hope
0: that helps <laughs> yeah no it definitely is it's interesting and then with the the production because you're gonna have minimums it, it, are you able to like combine the can, the production of these games like can they go all on kind of the same run uh yes. or are you looking at because typically it's like it could be anywhere from a thousand to fifteen hundred copies minimum run per game. But if they can can they gang them all together where it ends up being like 500 per game or like how does how does that work for you?
1: Yeah. so I mean my man, I work with a few different manufacturers. The one I'm working with on here um, has minimum print runs of a thousand. So yeah. at the very least, I'll be doing a thousand of each game um, in that sense, but you could do more or less of certain ones because I've printed other things with them as well, where I'm like, I need fifteen hundred of this and only five hundred of that. And they want your business. And if you're a client, they're going to work with you on stuff. So I know I'm ordering more than the bare minimum for these games, just just because attending conventions throughout the year, showing off the prototypes for all three games, Mm -hmm. people are like, I want to buy these now. And I'm like, "Ah, it's my prototype. I can't sell it to you. So I know that after the Kickstarter, these are going to do really well also. And I'm hoping they help me bust into retail, because that's been a thing I've really been trying to get yeah. into and I think uh they're at a price point and a size that is approachable for a lot of retailers so I'm hoping this helps me to get in there and then again the idea is to continue on the series so I have three other games not picked out yet I have one that I've signed for the next series and then uh, two other that I'm considering right
0: now so that so we is do like a larger year. sleeve like a six game sleeve then or I don't
1: know if I'll do a six game sleeve I'll probably do another sleeve unique to it um yeah. but yeah it's the, the games are all numbered, so I have game one, two, three, and then on the spines. Uh, you know, so I'm hopefully on campaign two, when people see why is it say game four, five, and six? What's game one, two, and three? You know, and then they're like, yeah. Oh, sirens, let me buy sirens, you know. So
0: and then when you're mapping out the sales of this, because it's it's virtually impossible to have equal number, right? So right. have you have you kind of put some thoughts into that on how um you're going to manage that inventory? Cause you might like, what if you sell out of one game, but you've got the other two, like, how would, how are you going to work that? Yeah.
1: So if I, I mean, just from looking at the campaign, you can kind of see one games being a fan favorite right now. So yeah. might go a little bit heavier on the order for that one. But as I, I, I do a lot of my own fulfillment, I have my stock mm. in my, in like a storage unit that I use and I do all yep. my own U S fulfillment. So I'm very hands-on with my stuff. So if I see that stuff's getting low, I just put in another. The files are ready, so it's like, hey, manufacturers, let's do another two thousand or a thousand or whatever it might be. And I also arrange my own ocean freight, so like I'm very hands on with everything that I do. Yeah, uh, and I know that people work with fulfillment centers and different consolidators and stuff like that, which is completely good. It's just for me right now, you know, this works if I become some massive company maybe I can't do it out of my garage anymore you know like I'll have to start partnering with some other people on it but yeah if something's starting to get low just order more
0: certainly the deeper you can go into learning the process the higher your margins are right oh yeah, oh yeah. and and same thing in Canada I do my own domestic fulfillment I mean it's not science,
1: right you do fulfillment for me in Canada I'll do us fulfillment <laughs> for you there we product. go let's go <laughs>
0: But it, it, it's really not hard, right? You're slapping a label in a box. You're putting packed yeah. in a box. You spend one afternoon. You just grind through it. Yep. And uh, it, I mean, the savings are, are significant, right? So, huge, huge. Yeah, it, it's crazy. You yeah, have a um, pizza
1: party, some beer for your buddies, and you say, like, come on, let's let's get this done.
0: You know. Yeah, exactly. And then, so I noticed also you're using Jell-Up uh, on your, your page as your um, kind of marketing partner. Can you talk a little bit about how the Jell-Up relationship works? I know that they've recently partnered with Kickstarter itself. And Kickstarter is often encouraging people to use their partners versus say like a backer kit or some of these other right um, partners out there. Um the decision to use JellOp, what was that decision like? And and can you just walk us a little bit through how that relationship works?
1: Yeah, sure. There's there's a lot here. Uh <laughs> um because i I like to test different things and work with different marketing companies. I will say sure. this, the main marketing company i've been working with on this project is dina said so studios and they did a fantastic job a lot of the pre-work up to it and gel Opp was just hey when you're live we're going to run some ads for you yeah Uh, but i reached out to them because i've heard them i've seen them do really well with certain projects i've never worked with them so i wanted to give them a shot uh this particular project we didn't it didn't have a great first day with the gel op numbers and all that because in the back end they give you a dashboard you can see where your ROAS is your return you know how much money you're making per ad spend and we weren't hitting the numbers that we needed so and you know I think each project's unique and it's tough when something has such a small MSRP or price point versus a game that's a hundred bucks so it's harder to hit that ROAS with your marketing spend in my opinion and uh I actually turned off my gel op spend after the first Day and a half. I was like, let's, "Oh wow, let's stop this!" Yeah. So, not to say that they're a bad company or anything like that, because they're not. It's just whatever the the assets I provided them and whatever marketing creatives that happened just weren't able to convert how we needed to on yeah. this specific project. So, I had to. I was like, "It doesn't make sense at this point because it was losing money." I was like, "We have to stop it." So, I'm currently trying some new stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you do some of your own like Meta ads and things like that, or?
1: Yeah, so Dina Setso Studio helped me with a lot of my Facebook ads as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just basically running stuff that they've helped me with and, and uh, do that. But I have found a, a new program that I'll probably dive into this week and add some new creatives and try some different ads on top of what's already running um, and see how that goes. But yeah, it's marketing is, I think, the biggest challenge for almost everyone, you know, everyone. And I'm always trying new stuff. And I always work with different marketing firms too, just to see where the, you know, I just like to see what everyone can do and see how it can go. And there's a lot of good ones out there that I've worked with previously that I'd be happy to work with again. So,
0: Two hardest things in this industry are building an audience. Yep. And in uh, the marketing for your campaign, right? Like, people are like, oh, you know, game design and gosh, the manufacturing. I'm like, that's easy stuff, guys. Yeah, 100%. that's easy stuff. Building an audience and marketing. Those are, I try other-
1: and tell people they're, I said, they're like, oh, you're in the board game industry. I'm like, no, I'm in the marketing business. And, and I think that's true for pretty much anything. Like, you could have the best board game ever, but if no one knows about it, it's not going anywhere, you know? Yeah. So, you really have to get that marketing done. There's a lot of great resources out there that are free to read up on, but even even with that, it's it's a challenge for sure.
0: Yeah, I always encourage people to look at it like a business, right? So if, I mean, if you're in it just for the design, which I think that's how most of us got started, right? We had a game that we've designed ourselves and we wanted to share that with other people. Um, oh, but job. if you're not pitching, if you're not a doing just one title, right. Or pitching your, your, your designs, other people, and you're looking at doing multiple campaigns and, and, and making a, like a, a literally like a publishing, uh, being a publisher, yeah, you got to treat it like a business. Right. And mm-hmm. that mind frame really changes, right. On how you approach a lot of things. Like you just talk to it. Right. Yeah. I could keep going with this marketing group, but I'm looking at my, my return on ad spend. Is not playing out. I got to flick a switch here. I got to turn it off. Right. I got, I got to switch gears and try something else. And you're constantly at the controls trying to figure out, okay, how can I keep this ship going? Right. And Definitely. maximize yeah. how it's going to pay out at the end. And, and simple things, even like minimums and things like that. I've had, um, you know, people who have launched their first game and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to do 1500 copies. And I'm like, okay, but you got like a hundred backers. Yeah, like go, yeah, go go your your manufacturer or change your manufacturers and find a manufacturer will yep. do a five hundred unit run, get that out the yeah. door, take it as a learning, and then work on on the next thing. Um, but you know, sitting on thousands of copies of games isn't helping you either because that's cash flow that you've just tied up. Yeah, I've made that mistake with
1: uh with don't get drunk where we did we're like, well, let's let's order five thousand units because yeah, it's, it saves us twenty cents a unit or something, you know. But then at the time it was inventory as fast as we should have been to order that many units. And then we were just like, well, our garages are full for a while. Like we gotta find a way to move these, but I've done it too with previous publishers where something was ordered and then it just didn't really sell well outside of the kicks. Oof, well, what are we gonna do with these units?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're stuck with them, right? But yeah,
1: I'm fairly confident with the tiny games because again, just the price point, how tiny games are hot right now and yeah. just the response I've gotten at all the conventions where I will likely order more than need it, but I'm very confident that they'll be able to move. But if I yeah. wasn't, I would probably be very careful about the quantities that I'm getting
0: made. Oh, for sure. And it's a cool looking campaign. I mean, congrats. Thank you. I mean, it thank looks, you. it looks awesome. <laughs> and again, I got excited when I saw it at origins and I'm like, Oh, I got to talk to him about this, man. I, thank God he's finally launched. I want to get him on the podcast. Yeah. So where do you go from that. here? Like, so you've, you've done kind of these drinking type games. Now you're doing a tiny box game. You kind of tease us a bit that you have, um, uh, this, uh, these larger games you're working on. Can you talk a little bit about, um, what's coming next?
1: yeah for sure so the next one that i'm working on is called kalahari and it's a meerkat area control game i was showing it at gen con a bit got a great reception and i'm actually working a lot of people probably know Amon anderson he did gnome hollow which was we had like 15 publishers fighting over it he's helping me on kalahari now so i'm really excited to be working with him on it the designer of this one is also art casey from my sirens and the artist is actually Gabby. We didn't bring her up, but she's the artist from Mind Your Business, Sirens. And now she's doing the Kalahari art as well. So, I, you know, when you find a team that you work well with, you keep working with them. Oh, yeah. Um. So Kalahari is going to be the next one. I am working on the next Tiny Game series. I've signed one for that already yeah. and have a few other I'm looking at. And it's getting to the point where I see so many good games. I'm like, I might do a direct. I might try a direct retail with one tiny game just to see how I can do it. Cause I've only ever launched on Kickstarter, Yeah, but I'm getting comfortable with Amazon and all the conventions I'm going. I think I could do a direct retail launch. So nice. I might try that. And then I have a super secret game that I worked on for like three years and it got shelved for a while because of some legal issues. And it looks like those are going to be resolved, um, hopeful. And if I get the rights back to that, it's going to blow the industry away. And I cannot wait to share more about that, but I'm, I'm waiting to see what happens. We have a contract out right now, so we'll see what happens with that.
0: Oh man, Well, that's ready. Let's get you back on the podcast. Let's talk about it. Uh, I'm yeah, yeah.
1: I, I I'm gonna be everywhere showing that when it's ready.
0: <laughs> well, Matthew, I want to wish you all the best on this campaign. I mean, gosh, it's uh, it's great to see that this thing's already double funded, and uh, I can just imagine where it's gonna end up. Uh, I'm super excited about it. I got stoked, and uh, I think you're gonna be very happy where this whole campaign ends off. Yeah,
1: thank you so much for having me too. I really appreciate it. Always happy to talk about games
0: (laughs) all right all the best you take care cheers all right this has been an episode of the board game binge podcast hosted by james staley produced by james staley and mike bruner with original music by nick smith if you'd like to watch these interviews live simply subscribe to our youtube channel board game binge and you'll get access to live interviews giveaways and interesting board game content from across the industry I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.